This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to the fashion episode of A Sunday Kind of Love. I'm Maya Tan and as always, Tasha Fusil is with me. Some say that September is the most important time for fashion. It's the start of the fall-winter season and some of the biggest, heaviest issues as far as fashion magazines are concerned appear at this time with the average hovering around the 600-page mark and weighing in at around 2 kilos. And while the world is busy tweeting and hashtagging about Fashion Week, we thought we'd pay homage to the crazy, spacey, yet infinitely alluring world of fashion. On this episode, a cautionary fashion tale uncovering the true face of fashion. Some of the more unique places to get your online fashion fix. Our resident couch potatoes Christina Oro and Edwin Suman talk fashion docos, biopics, movies and books. Then Tasha Fossil has the lowdown on some fashion hacks for men. But first, I looked into one of my old journals and found this little story that I want to tell you. Flashing lights, red carpets, photo walls, fabulous people and fashion, fashion, fashion everywhere. In our part of the world, at a fashion bash, whether it's the launch of the latest thing, a new store opening, or a party to celebrate the people who mortgage their houses to wear designer, the playlist has never left a chance, the guest list guarded like Fort Knox, and the checklist a mile long. Yay me! September start of the fall-winter season sees the largest flurry of fashion bashes, seasonal collection showings, in-store shopping parties, designer collaborations, retrospective exhibitions, and every bash is followed by an after-party. Fashion bash upon fashion bash upon fashion bash equals the fashion bashing. There's something about the fashion bashing that makes me want to crawl out of my skin. I think I owe it to my humble history. You know, much as I love fashion and the art of reinventing yourself simply by changing what you wear and how you put it all together, I'm often quite happy just being an observer. I'll read all the fashion blogs. I'll follow all the fashionistas on Instagram. I'll even go as far as dressing the part if I have to. But beyond that, I'm just unable to ooze that kind of synthetic congeniality that permeates the fashion bashing. In my humble history, I learned painful lessons about pride. Pride comes before a fall, my father used to say. And the playground taught me that friendships last longer in the presence of humility and authenticity. At the fashion bashing, the only authenticity you can guarantee is that of the Hermes Birkins and Givenchy Antigonas on display. This is my story from my time spent in the world of fashion. Fashion is not quite so bad, depending on the role that you have. The guest list usually includes the media, top spending customers, celebrities and socialites. The media are in a good position. You know, there's an understanding that advertising dollars beget editorial coverage, and editorial coverage begets the customers, so there's a mutual need there. The top spenders list inevitably includes socialites, people with titles, and increasingly, their 20-something children with their metallic supplementary cards. While this group shops, they also have a great sense of entitlement to everything, so they're usually quite blasé and unmoved by whatever the event organisers have in store for them. Then there are the celebrities, stars of the screen, big and small. Pop stars, rappers, reality show celebs, one or two celeb bloggers, anyone who fits the image of the label that the fashion bash is for. 
They're just there to elevate the popularity of the brand. Finally, there's the Nouveau Riche. Now, this group, in my opinion, is not to be dismissed. This group pays all our salaries. Not only are they hungry for status and recognition, they are wildly enthusiastic about their newfound status, eager to throw money away, ecstatic at being invited to these parties, hobnobbing with old money, flaunting their new coveted designer digs. At any fashion bash, guests are usually found air-kissing, ass-kissing, depending on which fashion cast you're from. And talking about their fabulous lives where they compare products, spouses, kits and houses, their investment portfolios and who knows what else. Posing for the Society magazine photographers. In the meantime, the entire marketing team is ushering people, organising the catering, turning people away, counting or stuffing the swag bags, and if the waiters are too slow, actually serving canapes or the sponsored champagne. Yes, you heard that right, because here's the other thing. Fashion bashes are mostly organised by cheapskates. And this, as Samantha Jones from the hit series Sex and the City says, gets on my nerve clicko. Event coordinators are considered a waste of money. The venue, the aromatic candles, the flowers, the pop-up invitation cards, the champagne and the whiskey, sponsored. Sponsored by companies who want to be exposed to the retail guest list, of course. The celebs, the MCs, the DJ, all paid in gift cards. No cash changes hands. In fact, the only thing they pay for would probably be the hors d'oeuvres. And we all know how tiny those are. We used to call the CEO of the company her royal oatness. Oat as in haute couture and hot as in hottie. Very much your old world dictator running a top-down kind of setup. Wanting to impress her royal oatness by keeping to budget at a weekend brunch in a very chic new restaurant, the department head who acted like he was Eddie Slaman himself or Yves Saint Laurent, but who couldn't pronounce volavant to save his life, kept the menu down to three savouries and two sweet. He also skipped the venue charge by having the event at the bar area of the restaurant, therefore not requiring it to close for the event. In charge of her tiny cocktail table, I filled some trays with canapes and brought them over to her royal oatness and her triple A-list guests so they wouldn't have to hobble to the buffet in their six-inch snakeskin Louboutins. She grabbed my wrist and muttered to me, Is this it? She said, referring to the canapes. I nodded. Her eyes narrowed. Because the restaurant wasn't closed, you know, to save budget, some guests who weren't on the list wandered into the party in their casual clothes. It was Sunday brunch after all, and they were attracted by the super loud music played during the fashion show. Her royal oatness grabbed the MC and was overheard screaming to her, Get these ugly people away from the catwalk! They're blocking my VIPs! Um, you can be sure the ugly people heard. Later, as I shadowed her, meaning to hover around to ensure she's got everything she needs, a society photographer mistook me for a guest and asked if he could get a photo of me and the royal oatness. No, she snaps and turns to walk away. This person works for me. And of course, it would be sacrilege to be seen being friendly with members of your team. At around three o'clock, as the guest number slowly dwindled and the remaining ones were just too drunk to care, I plucked up the courage to make myself a little plate of canapes. Three canapes to be exact. The CFO immediately came up to me and said, Is that for a customer? I nodded. Better be, eh? That's not enough. I wove my way around the party to create the illusion of looking for a guest. And then I headed straight for the kitchen, where some of the crew who, like me, had been there since 7am, were stuffing their faces. Only then did I allow myself to stuff my face. On the Monday after, as the department head was called to her royal oatness's office, the entire team huddled below, 
staring up at the glass ceiling. No, it, it was really made of glass, where we could just about see what was going on. Eugene, one of the 20-somethings who had done a lip-reading class with his hearing-impaired brother, squinted through binoculars, ready to translate. There was a whole lot of abuse. And just before I decided that I'd had enough, I saw her put her hand to her forehead, her thumb and forefinger in the shape of an L. Eugene's voice was impassioned, but I could just imagine the malice. Do you know what a loser is? He said, translating. Well, that's what you are. Up next on A Sunday Kind of Love, Tasha Fusil and I go through some of the better finds on the internet to get your online fashion fix. We're at the tail end of the fashion season for spring-summer 2015. It's Paris Fashion Week and today, Kenzo, Celine and Givenchy are going to be showing. And so the internet has been blowing up with pictures, reviews and snippets from the runway and streets of the four fashion capitals. And with live streaming from the shows and our Instagram feeds being dominated by live snaps of our favourite brands and fashion bloggers, we're overcome with this staggering (laughs) need for a wardrobe and fashion overhaul. Five hours of online browser shopping later, we've come up with a list of online haunts that we think could satisfy all our fashion-related cravings. Take it away, Tasha. (laughs) Okay, Maya, so I love a good celebration. Uh, Birthdays, weddings, parties, it's a great time to get dolled up and enjoy a night out with your friends and loved ones. But that excitement for me quickly turns into frustration because I can never figure out what the heck I want to wear. Age-old question. (laughs) (laughs) So it's that classic case of not being able to find the right dress when you need it the most. Whether it's because there's nowhere to find it, nothing you like, nothing that fits, or worse, nothing you can afford... Enter Rent Address KL, a dress rental website that aims to solve all the aforementioned problems. And in fact, Xuan Xu, the founder of Rent Address, was on Open for Business last Friday to talk about this concept, which I think is completely new in Malaysia. Uh, Rent Address has a selection of authentic dresses from awesome brands like Bajli Mishka, Halston Heritage, Marquesa, and Alice and Olivia. Ooh, mm. these are great brands. All for different occasions like birthdays, cocktails, and black tie events. Uh, the best part is that because it's a rental, you're only paying a fraction of the retail price. So imagine being able to wear a lovely black embroidered gown from David Meister that would have cost you 2,500 ringgit for only 230 ringgit. It's about 10%. Wow. And to counter the sizing issues that come with ordering things online, they even have an option where you can rent up to three dresses for 24 hours so you can have a pre-event fitting. I think that's great. I think fitting is one very, very important aspect of it. So it looks like they've thought of that too. Yeah, I think they've sort of covered all the angles and and all the issues that um, might come up when it comes to renting clothes Mm. online. Brilliant. The ordering and delivery process seems quite straightforward and hassle-free. Just head to www.rentaddress.com.my to have a look at the instructions and FAQs. And uh, more on Malaysian entrepreneurs who have set up online. Hui Matthews, the founder of Ashby Nimble, was also here in the studios last week to talk about her sportswear brand that's been receiving quite a bit of attention. So with local designers intent on making their mark in the fashion scene, it's quite refreshing to see a local brand try something a little different by venturing into sports sportswear that's actually really cute and fashionable and I think affordable too Mm, not a lot I think she made a priority to keep everything under 100 ringgit so that's really great news for us Mm. it ticks all the right boxes in terms of style comfort quality and affordability the collection at the moment ranges from sports bras and tank tops to shorts and tights and the style is clean minimal and sporty Uh, but the detail of the designs pop quite a bit uh, with bold contrasting colours in the panels and piping. They've also got a couple of nice prints and it's a smallish range at the moment but all in all you know an extremely impressive start and we're definitely looking forward to seeing more and also with brands like Dior, Alexander Wang and Stella McCartney incorporating the trend of luxe sportswear into their designs some of these pieces could definitely be fashioned to work outside the gym. And during Fashion Week, it's not just the clothes that are getting our attention. Runway shows are the best time to spot the trends and get inspired in hair and beauty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another oasis for makeup and beauty lovers is Violet Grey. It's a website that showcases only the most coveted beauty and hair products by industry beauty experts. 
Violet Grey is divided into two parts. There are The Violet Files, which is a digital magazine dedicated to documenting Hollywood beauty culture in collaboration with celebrated storytellers in fashion and film. So from cover stories of beauties like Rosie Huntington-Whiteley and January Jones to beauty tutorials and recommendations by the industry's experts and artists, The Violet Files are a comprehensive edit for the discerning beauty buff. Then there's also Shop the Shelves, uh, which is a curation of the best beauty products as decided by a community of experts. So they do all the heavy lifting by rigorously testing, vetting and authenticating thousands of products to produce a highly edited selection of beauty favourites. Next, I'm loving the accessories from Buy Invite Only, a Singaporean jewellery label that makes these delicate handcrafted pieces using crystals and semi-precious stones. And the pieces are very chic and very easy to incorporate into any wardrobe purple amethysts, blue agate, clear and rosy pink quartz. There's a whole range of mineral stones in different shapes and sizes and it's all held together by stainless steel or gold-plated hardware. So it's actually a very edgy, very minimalist look. Yeah, this is very modern, clean. Mm. You know, it's not too cluttered. Yeah, but I also like the fact that a lot of the stones are not polished stones. Yes, right? like very raw. Yeah, mm. that's a great look. The crystals are mainly imported directly from Arkansas or from Brazilian mines and all the pieces are hand-assembled by skilled craftsmen at By Invite Only Studio in Singapore. You can see the full range online at www.buyinviteonly.info and delivery is free to Malaysia. Yay! Yay! <laughs> There's also a number of pieces stocked at Bazaro in Bangsa, which is another shop worth visiting. It stocks a whole range of Southeast Asian designers and they're also one of the exclusive distributors for Jeffrey Campbell. Let's go! Yay! When a Sunday Kind of Love returns, Christina Oro and Edwin Suman go through the fashion documentaries, biopics, movies, books and TV shows that have blown our minds. Stay tuned to A Sunday Kind of Love, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to A Sunday Kind of Love. I'm Maya Tan and this is our fashion episode. Our resident couch potatoes Christina Oro and Edwin Suman are here today and we're going to be talking about the fashion films, books and TV shows that have blown our minds. Well, September is always the start of fall. Bumper issues in terms of fashion magazines and of course, all the fashion weeks in New York, London, Paris Milan. and Milan are ongoing. Right now, it's Paris Fashion Week. So I thought we'd look at books and films. In the fashion world. In the fashion world. In the world of fashion. In a world where fashion rules. The September issue comes to play. Oh, and they're talking about it as a September issue, right? Yes. Which was a wonderful documentary which showcased Grace Coddington. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, you'd think it was about Anna Wintour. You'd think it was about Anna Wintour. But the, I felt the only truthful moments were from Grace Coddington because you just couldn't imagine that Anna Wintour was really so nice in real life. No, I don't think she's so evil as everyone says because did you see her ice bucket challenge? It was hilarious. She got yes, her entire family to come and just throw water on her. So you know she's human. There's, there's <laughs> a human behind those huge and sunglasses. And she did it on a lawn so the water went to feeding To her grass. garden, yes. Yeah. Grace Coddington is an amazing woman, one-time British model from like the 60s and she is now the fashion editor uh, and stylist of Vogue. She's also got her own book now. Yes, Grace, a memoir. You can find it at the upstairs of Kinokuniya. There's just one copy there. (laughs) One. Just one left? Because you got to work to get it. They had two copies because I bought one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I don't know about you, but I feel as if Grace's story is a lot more interesting than Anna Wintour's story. No, you see the relationship between the actual editor of the magazine and the woman she trusts so much for putting together... Mm. Her vision for what Vogue should be And Grace is the one that goes off Gets the clothes done Styles the clothes Gets, you know The photographer puts the magazine together So they get their lookbook So you see that And that's why I think They, they, they put so much of Grace In the September issue Because they wanted to see The people 
working at Vogue, not just the Anna Winter that we're all familiar with. You know, mm. like when we go watch a fashion show, we only know the designer. We don't see the 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 milliners, the seamstresses, the it's all the true. people that actually make the collection. So I thought the September issue was actually one of the best fashion documentaries I've ever watched. I actually enjoyed it immensely, mm. and I thought, wow, what a great insight into the fashion world. But I just loved, in particular, Grace Coddington's bits. Speaking about documentaries, you wanted to tell us about the one that you loved the most. L'amour fou. L'amour fou. Oh, Yves Saint Laurent and his yeah, partner. I love it so much. Uh, it's a wonderful documentary. Eh? It's about uh, when the <laughs> time they had to, when he already died. And then, you know, his partner of many, many years, they did a documentary on how they had to get to sell all of their um, oh, artwork and all oh. that. And it's the story about their love and how they got together and their fashion and how they love to collect things and put it in their beautiful house. Now, I sound Italian like his lover. Mm. Well, his lover is French, right? But yeah, that was another really, another different way to tell the story of one of the most iconic designers in the yeah. history of, of the fashion world. He seems to be one of the favourite designers to talk about other than Coco Chanel because just last year and this year, there, have, there will be two other movies released. Yes, two biopics. Yep. One is called Saint Laurent and one is called East Saint Laurent. <laughs> and I can't remember which one I want to watch. I know, I know. There's one I definitely want to watch. I think it's Saint Laurent. I've already watched Yves Saint Laurent, the one uh, that was released earlier this year. It stars Pierre Nini. Because the other one, Saint Laurent, is played by Gaspard Ulliel. Who also is a wonderful, a wonderful French actor, actor. But less beautiful <laughs> than Feel free Pierre to jump Nini. in anytime, Christina. <laughs> but before September issue, was there any sort of... Yes, like, yes. Uh, Unzipped, which was the Isaac Mizrahi documentary. Which I'm sure would have been lots of... That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it was all about Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> and all you know about his, his, his drama, <laughs> all about his like, oh my god, collection, ah, you know, that that Jewish madness. Yes. <laughs> and yes. it was a really fun show because that was in the nineties, and he had all the then supermodels in it. Linda right. Evangelista, Naomi Campbell, everyone. Uh, and there was another one actually on Karl Lagerfeld. It was called Lagerfeld Confidential. Yes. <gasps> no, the one I really actually loved because it was so romantic was Valentino, the Last Emperor. Oh, that was a beautiful documentary because yes. it was. High how he had to kind of sell Valentino mm. right. to keep it going and, and he had his one final Valentino collection which was it, it culminated in that the movie but you that you saw his his seamstress this crazy Italian woman who just kept smoking and having fights with him and she's like I'm not gonna do this he can sew his own beads for all I care <laughs> and, and again that story and you see how romantic how his partner tries to keep him grounded and sane and say look we have to do this we have to cut our costs we have to prove that we're still an irreverent fashion house. Valentino is an Italian dress designer whose name is known around the world. For me, the dream of my life is to create clothes for ladies. 45 years later, Valentino is still leading the way in glamour. I know what two men want. And what do they want? They want to be beautiful. always so attracted by magazines, by films. Valentino is above control. Valentino does what he wants. Valentino is Valentino. C'è mai un fiocco? No, quasi mai. Quasi mai. Qualche volta sì. Sì, sì. He doesn't realize really the work behind this business. Struttura di palle, siete tutti quanti, perché era bello così, senza mettere strisce. Valentino as a friend, as a lover, as an employee. You need a lot of patience. I am here to decide something very important and I don't want to be killed. The Valentino Fashion Group has been purchased by private equity firm Permira. And it's unclear whether Valentino would stay on under a new owner. We have to take care of our figures, not only style. I'm not sure Valentino wants to change after so many years. You can imagine Marzotto telling me, you have not to do this, you have not to do that. I would eat them. I've seen Valentino almost every day in my life. Maybe in 45 years, the total two months. Et ma gratitude et mon amitié vont tout particulièrement à Monsieur Giancarlo Giovanni. 
This was the best thing for me to create dresses. I am a disaster in everything else. <laughs> Valentino will be the last one of that generation who will define the difference between yesterday and today. I love beauty. It's not my fault. At the end of it, they had the exhibition, the Valentino exhibition. You saw Karl Lagerfeld in it, and mm. Karl and him were like, you know, we're the last two of the old guard standing in the fashion world. And I thought, you pompous twats. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a beautiful, it's so romantic, it's beautiful. Do you think there's anything that's sort of along the lines of a biopic or a documentary about people like Christian Dior and you know I, I know that I'm sure there's lots on Coco mm. Chanel and Coco Chanel, Chanel has so many too. movies mm. yeah. so many movies there's a Shirley MacLaine oh, yes there's one the Audrey, Audrey Tattoo, Tattoo. Mm. and another one it was Coco and Igor yes and there, b- years before there was another with Stravinsky yeah. yes. oh my god that's right this Coco woman coco all over the place <laughs> but someone like Christian Dior who you know I mean technically Design-wise, how interesting. And pioneering all sorts of silhouettes. and Dior was, I think, one of the last of the real old guards. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there are many, actually. There's also Vionnet. Vionnet is back. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you look at the, the fashion shows that happen nowadays, Vionnet is back. Uh, Dior, of course, has been rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vionnet is even older than Dior. You know, mm-hmm. they go back to the early 1900s and... And all these labels have come back because they're still associated with that old world, well-cut couture, couture houses. houses. Well, really but like paving the way in terms of, I mean, how do you mould a piece of fabric to somebody's body? Dior. Right. Madman. Mm-hmm. Do you structure it or do you make it flowy or whatever it is? But that, all that sort of stuff that has happened... And it's just being re- redone, basically, nowadays. Yeah. I mean, well, I believe that a lot of these brands have actually handed the guard over to a new breed of designers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lonvan, for example, has handed stuff over to Albert Elbaz. Mm. And he is a great character with a sense of humour. He's got a book coming out on the 30th of September. It's called Lonvan, I Love You. And I can't wait for it. He's the one who, in the fall-winter 2011 ad campaign had dancers dancing rather goofily to Pitbull's You Know You Want Me. (laughs) I mean, like Christina was saying, I guess you have to have that that marriage of what's current now that gets people's attention to that elegance that they don't want anyone to lose. So you bring that together and it turns into this, like Dolce & Gabbana, their style now has gone back to that really ornate, beautiful very old world Italy kind of, of design but they make it so fresh and so funky that young people want to wear D&G you know creative mind Balenciaga was mm. given you know a new lease of life thanks to Alexander Wang mm. who's got you know a finger on the pulse he's such a cutie that one mm. Mm. any other books you'd like to recommend well mine are novels funnily enough follow sort of French ideas and the idea uh, they're, they're just novels they're sort of like chick lit but <laughs> like the chewing gum, like. chiclet, <laughs> chiclets. But they're kind of they're these lovely expressions of ways of living. Mm. You know, we've all heard of the you know, how French women eat to say to stay slim and all that. Yeah, this French women never get fat. That's why French cuisine. Fat. You how never get full on French cuisine yeah. because they serve it in You know that nouveau, <laughs> that nouveau cuisine, which is like air. Yes, and they they're the ones who came up with odors. <laughs> It's like, oh, those. <laughs> yeah. Horse duvers. Horse duvers. It's like, oh, those. Yeah. Oh, read us a little bit from your book. Well, this one is a book called Entre Nous, A Woman's Guide to Finding Her Inner French Girl. It is a novel. It's by Deborah Olivier. And uh, I'll just read you the first, the very first couple of paragraphs. Is it in English? It's in English. What era is it set in? Oh, it's modern day. It's, uh, it was written in 2003. I love the the chapters. There's only about five or six chapters, and it's all Frenchy things. La tête, le corps, le cours, la cuisine, la fête, la maison, and le travail et le loisir. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. As it happened, the first true French girl I ever met was Natalie. She was living in an old, renovated farmhouse at the time, just south of Paris, where her husband and a group of aspiring Truffauts were shooting a film on unrequited love and existentialism. Only in France, no? Natalie was wearing a close-fitting black skirt over a voluptuously pregnant belly, 
a camisole under a sheer blouse, and suede ankle boots. Her long hair was pulled back with a tortoiseshell barrette, though several fugitive strands tumbled onto her shoulders in unruly wisps, and she wore not one bit of makeup. She was perfectly content and undeniably sensual, and when she spoke, which she did sparingly, you could tell she had a superbly intelligent mind. It was just all there, that incredible mix of beauty and brains that seems to imbue French girls with such interesting faces, such refined strength. It would have been easy to suggest that Natalie's allure was a function of something physical, her hair, her clothes, her overall look. Too easy. Like so many French girls, Natalie's je ne sais quoi was less about her look and much more about her history. She had been shaped by generations of independent feminine spirits, countless queens, courtesans and traditional French mothers, by unspoken codes of social grace and courtly love, by a legacy of feminine guile and intellectual brawn, and at that moment walking down a country lane in a land where the layers of civilization were so thick you could almost cut them with a knife, all I wanted to do was leave the planet and be reborn French. That, alas, was not to be. Oh. I just love the way they capture what it is. It's you know, fashion is not just about putting on it's something. It's the life, mm-hmm. yes. And you can you wear the trashiest thing if you've got a sense of fashion. If you know yeah. how to put it together. And le loisir means leisure, yes, which leisure. makes sense. It makes yeah. so much sense. You know, entrepreneur between you and me, the yeah. leisure. <laughs> Speaking about French style, Ines de la Fressange also came up with a book called Parisian Chic, which I love <gasps> because it's so understated and down to earth. And and yet, you know, there's a sense of great style. For example, she advocates wearing t-shirts and jeans with diamonds. Yes. You yeah. know, it gives you... It's, it's just a You're great casual, way of dressing. casual, but with a bit of glitter. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. And you don't have to wear crazy shoes and corset this and corset that and be uncomfortable to be chic. And that gives the girl, the French girl, that je ne sais quoi, yeah. Carla Bruni in Midnight in Paris. Carla Bruni as the president's wife. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it's not just Carla Bruni. <laughs> but but Carla. in that movie, uh, Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris, she just practically walked around in a white shirt and jeans and... Ooh la la. Mm. But of course, she's Carla Bruni. <laughs> and there's so many books you can find now on on the history of Dior and, and YSL. Mm. You, you go there, and some of these books are really, really cheap. Mm. I bought my Brief Gauche YSL book for, I think, 45 ringgit. It was hardcover, and it was the history of how YSL came up with the Rive Gauche collection mm. because he wanted all French women to be able to afford French fashion. Yeah. Um, and, and how that changed the fashion world also when you had these... He must have been the H&M of his time. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and things like that. But you get even the Americans now have so many documentaries coming out. Halston has a documentary. Diana Vreeland, the original Anna Winter, I would say. She was the oh, yes. Vogue editor. A lot of people are saying, where is Diana Vreeland? Bring her back. Yeah, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> of course can't bring her back she's gone <laughs> but even she has this interesting documentary they go into her house you know because the documentary is based on these audio interviews that they recorded with her and then they, they put it together into this documentary yeah. of her life yeah. and she was this crazy woman you know she may have been like a hoarder but a very beautiful hoarder there's a, a scene of her her lounge in her house which is just red velour and velvet and and so chintzy and there were things everywhere ashtray filled with cigarette butts and things strewn all over the place and you go my god you're a fashion editor your house is a mess but (laughs) it's a beautiful mess and then it's her story on how she viewed fashion and how she was one of the individuals that changed fashion at the time Mm, and made Vogue this crazy thing the fashion world changes all the time You can even see the approaching revolution in clothes. You can see and feel everything in clothes. Mrs. Vreeland really brought us into a modern period and knew that fashion and the world were on their way to something much more global. I wasn't a fashion editor. I was the one and only fashion editor. She saw things in people before they saw it themselves. She celebrated Barbara Streisand's nose. She would say, push their faults, make it the most beautiful thing about them. Diana was just so far ahead. I mean, it wasn't just about fashion. It was about art. It was about music. It was a society. It was all woven together. 
the documentary is called The Eye Has to Travel and it's available on Amazon, the DVD. And your friendly neighbourhood uh, friend may have a copy of it. Um, if not, go to Amazon. If you have an iTunes account, the documentary is available on iTunes. But why do you feel people love fashion so much? It's clothes. I mean, you're born naked and the rest is drag. Mm. You know, you put on that persona. You put on... It's a persona. Yes. It's not just the clothes. It's not just yeah. the clothes. You're reinventing yourself. Yes. It's every day. Who, who do you want to be, I guess? I do love to watch a lot of fashion-y TV. Like Project Runway. Run. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like in its 300th season It's now? like season 13 and about to do All Stars 4, I think. Oh, my God. And who's the judge now? Is it Zach Posen still? Zach Posen, Nina, uh, Heidi. Love, but in Nina this season, what is fun is... Tim actually sits with the judges. He's no longer just uh, he. He's the he's one that he's been pro- brought from downstairs. He's been brought upstairs. from downstairs to upstairs. Very Downton Abbey. I love Tim. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Downton Abbey some other day. It's back, season five. It's anyway, back. fashion <laughs> project runway. And like you, we were talking about earlier. You know, Christina. Uh, there was these two guys who used to run a fashion blog. Called um, Project Run Gay. Yeah, which has <laughs> and, since changed. Uh, yeah, they became so big. Now they've got their own TomAndLorenzo.com because they're Tom and Lorenzo. They're Tom and Lorenzo. And they, they review fashion shows, they review TV shows. They Daily looks. And they used to review series like fashion series like Project Runway. They still like do. episode by episode. Yes. Then they got on to like Lost and so they would review. And it's whatever, you know, they, and yeah, whatever they feel like doing but fashion is still their thing because now they also get in fashion, uh, they get invited to New York Fashion Week and they still talk about fashion and they're known for sometimes their scathing comments. Yes. Because um, it's either Tom or Lorenzo that wouldn't like something. And, yes. And, it's, and how it's caused a domestic dispute yes. between them. I'm Tom. And I'm Lorenzo. And we are the publishers of TomLorenzo.com, which is a full-service website that deals with fashion, red carpet, runway, you name it. But today we're here to talk about Kato as a brand and a legit designer. Where's your publicist? Well, we couldn't really confirm it today. I thought the publicist would be here for press, but okay. So I've actually transitioned from doing all these gowns and these intricate draping pieces and taking like that one little element that I love and from former collections and pouring the same. Yes. Okay. I want to see um, that. We are internet people, so the very first thing she should have said was, here's my site, what do you think? Maria, do you have the website yet? Yeah. It's not ready? It's raining, so there's the router, there's no signals. Can you show them hang tags, your label, business oh, cards, so they can sort that. of see the world of Kato Momolu? Uh, we don't have it here because it's oh, We don't have the hang tags here, they're being yeah. shipped as we speak. What don't you have here? The um, hang tags. I thought you guys were going to have all this stuff ready for today. Y- yes, I know, that's why I'm saying you're going to be mad at us again. <laughs> I'm mad at you. I came all the way from Philly. (laughs) I'm trying to be polite here, but I really don't get the whole team thing. I don't get who she has working with her or what their duties are. Nobody seems prepared. Nobody seems to have an answer. You should be fully prepared when anybody from the press shows up with answers to every question and fully finished pieces. I understand why you cannot finish a sentence. I don't understand how you invite someone over and you don't have your business card or you don't have all the stuff that you're supposed to show that person. I have to say it was insulting. If Oscar de la Renta and Catherine Malandrino think we're good enough to show up, then Kato Momolo should as well. It's a great... Spot on. Yeah. Spot on it's about spot on. Why, why something worked or didn't. Mm. And whether someone's being, you know, a little bit shammy. I just never caught on to Project Runway because the drama is just overheightened. Now it is. But if you go back, say, to season 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 8, 9... All the rest, no. I mean, you know, Heidi, Heidi will sit there. Season four gave us Christian Siriano, who yes. really is quite a, major a dis- player. Yes, he is a Not major player. Not just couture, but Payless. Yes, doing shoes, doing accessories, and every day, you know, if you follow his Instagram. Yes, he, I do. He, flo- he sells he his, sketches. his sketches. I'm like, you're flaunting off your sketches. You are one business whiz kid, kid. <laughs> He's flaunting off sketches. I which are lovely. Which are lovely. Yeah, and he's brilliant. His work really has so come a long way. So many of those people way. have gone on to create mini empires. People like Chris March, who used to do tranny clothes. Chris March drag, had his own show. Drag fashion, yes, Mad Fashion. Mad Fashion, and you fantastic. follow Chris March, who's a, an amazing designer actually, but is is best known for his costume design and his his big hats and wigs and 
and he's coming back for All Stars oh, really? again. Uh. They love him. He's quite a character that one, and he's another smart business cookie because for the second year running, he's done a foam wig collection for Target. <laughs> really? For Halloween. Foam wigs. <laughs> foam wigs. They're gorgeous. I mean, if they could send it to Malaysia, you know, I'd be buying all of them. And he oh. sells it for like twenty dollars. He's such a pra- practical sort of person as well. When you see him making his things, he's like, "Well, I can't find steel that's strong enough, so I cut up laundry hampers, the ones that." bounce up that spring wow. up and things like that how he has this sort of like a a handyman sort of idea of how to yeah, construct these amazing things no I guess that's why fashion is so interesting because you get to meet these individuals who really try and change the game or add to the game if you can call it a game and you, you meet them so you can't you can't knock down a show like Project Run because most people do they're like what kind of fashion is not real fashion but it is a show that's brought you Christian Seriano this mm. This boy wonder. It's brought you this character called Chris Marsh. And you have, okay, Santino's not really a designer because he's now a judge on mm. RuPaul's Drag Race. But he's still a character nonetheless, yes. you know. And you, you, you see them. They do so many wonderful things. And they're quite a lot what of fashion that, shows. that young African-American guy, Michael? Michael Knight. Who used to do amazing, beautifully constructed, dresses. gorgeous dresses for women. Yeah, he was in season real, three. Real honor of the you know the really woman's body. Yes, I think he has a collection now in the states. He's not gone global the way everyone else has gone global. Mm. But, but but that's the thing. He's got his market. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the fashion, a uh, project runway, boys and girls have got their own thing happening. You know, some yeah. only design shoes now, and some only do resort wear. Because I think Anya Aoyong. Yes, her designs are not great, but her choice of fabrics and prints you go wow you know how to put colors together and i think that was her magic a a dress is a dress is a dress a dress and it's been reinvented many times and styles come go in cycles you know we go we start always referencing the past yes Yes. and uh a lot of the time you know you look at young people are just cottoning on to oh my god this is kind of like being done three or four times actually Mm -hmm. five or six times but they do it but they do it. And it's a matter of how you put your skew on it and, and whether somebody wants it or not, I think. No, I mean, for that, I want to give a shout out to Malaysian designers. I mean, one of the best, I think I can call her couturier, is Melinda Louis. Because that woman just has such an amazingly quirky mind and she really does things quite meticulously. Yeah. You have the younger designers like Shomei Izwa, who, who's very good with lines and colors and you have Justin Yap who knows how to mm-hmm. beat and at the same time knows how to dress a woman quite beautifully and you have all these wonderful Malaysian designers who, who sell their clothes you know Leslie Varian for Variante you go to his shops and those are the ready to wear off the shelf things but when Leslie does his own private collections the mm. clothes are quite structural mm. you know very different from what you see in the Variante stores yeah. and of course Aflin now is attempting to um, Aflin, Christina's husband. Oh yes, it's, you've been it's more at the, of an apparel garment. It's apparel thing. garment. It's not uh, a design. Not a, but you know. Well, we've had a few uh, forays into fashion festivals overseas. We showed, we showed at the Islamic Fashion Festival during the KL Fashion Week back in June, mm-hmm. because the pants which we flog are basically an alternative to what you would wear to the mosque. Yeah, they're so, nice. I'm still waiting for my pair, you know. Oh. Yeah. He also, sorry, I know I forgot you, Kunhoi, but you also are one of the. He's one of my heroes. He's that one is oh, crazy. Oh, great cut, great, great sense cut, of aesthetic. Great, oh, lovely. Minimalist. Yeah, Love so it. we have great designers in Malaysia and they all travel around the world. Jonathan so, Liang. Joe Chia is Joe making Chia. a name everywhere in Asia. Mm. This boy, I don't want to compare him, but he's like our Issei Miyaki. Yeah. Those lines that he cuts. Yeah, very nice. Your, your appreciation of fashion can go all the way up to the intellectual. Ar- how is it architecturally made? You know, how, how is it structured? You use a ruler <laughs> and then you cut straight line. <laughs> up next on A Sunday Kind of Love, Tasha Fusil has the lowdown on a couple of fashion hacks for men. We'll be back soon with more. On a Sunday Kind of Love, BFM 89.9. 
It's the fashion episode of A Sunday Kind of Love. I'm Maya Tan. Now, if you're a gentleman aspiring to add a little more sartorial flair into your daily dress, here's Tasha Fusil with some fashion hacks to night your saham one or maybe even two notches higher. in line with the theme of this week's episode, which is Spacey, the fashion frontier. We're going to be looking at hacks that are all about embracing fashion and dressing sharper, better, sexier. And this week, we decided to dedicate this fashion hacks to just men. And this is for two reasons. The first being that women and fashion, it's a deeply personal and complicated relationship. Fashion evolves all the time and experimenting with trends, with your own personal style and with what feels comfy for you is what makes the whole thing so beautiful. So let's not mess around with that. The second reason is really because men need it more. Too many men go through life without so much as a thought to what they wear and how they look, without realising that it matters, it counts! So, to get a general picture on what makes a well-dressed man, I started by asking some people what they thought looked good on men. And one answer in particular kept coming up. Definitely a well-tailored suit. Like suit up? Because suit up is the easiest because they never really do. I don't know if it's boring to say a good suit, but a good, well-cut, dark suit. Or charcoal. Or anything. Just a suit. A suit is excellent. Um, I'm a big fan of suits. Pierce Brosnan in a suit? I mean, oh, I'd go gay for Pierce Brosnan in a suit. I'm just saying. So tip one would have to be that every man needs at least one good suit in the closet. It doesn't matter what line of work you're in, you need to own a decent suit. If your job requires you to regularly suit up, then get yourself acquainted with a good tailor who can make you some suits in a variety of styles and fabrics. If you just need a single suit for the odd special occasion, stick with a classic. Jim Moore, the creative director of GQ, says that you can't go wrong with the grey two-button suit. The grey suit is to men what the little black dress is to women. It's the no-brainer suit that will work at any occasion. But it does have to be the right shade of grey. Not too light and not too dark. When in doubt, you can channel Cary Grant and match the suit with a crisp white shirt and a dark solid tie. Tailoring a bespoke suit with someone who knows their cuts would be the most ideal. But if you're not ready to splash some cash on a tailor or a Hugo Boss or Xenia suit, then check out Marks & Spencer for suits that are a good fit and a good price. But don't expect the fit to be perfect. Off-the-rack suits are made to general measurements, but with a few tweaks here and there with a trusted tailor, you can drastically transform a suit from mediocre to Barney's Stinson approved. But then what this guy says kind of made sense too. I wouldn't wear suits. I mean, who wears suits? It's a hot country. Wearing jeans and suits. Uh, this is not New York. It's Kale, it's PJ, it's Kapoom. It's true that we are in fact living in a tropical climate where the heat and humidity would make wearing a suit for men about as comfortable as me having to wear 6-inch stilettos all day. But I would still buy that one pair of 6-inch stilettos to keep at home because you never know when they might come in handy. So go, go buy that grey suit. Tip number two, dress your feet. No one really picked up on this, but I think that appropriate fitting footwear is the first step to dressing sharp. A traditional school of thought that's alive and well claims that you can judge a man by his shoes. If you've never owned really good shoes before, brace yourself because it can be a little pricey when you buy anything that uses quality materials like leather. But a good pair of dress shoes can go a long way, and it shouldn't be seen as a luxury item for the excessively rich, but rather a staple necessity for any man. There are heaps of brands that make beautifully crafted shoes, Tots, Prada, Ferragamo, you name it, they've got it. But if you're after something more affordable, then Aldo at Gardens and Bangsa is a good place to start. Tip number three, build a solid collection of white and blue shirts. A nice uh, fitting shirt. Definitely, I love a man with good body with tight shirts. You don't, you don't have to show everything, you can leave it to the imagination. You can kind of see it and yeah, drool worthy, yeah. So white and light blue cotton dress shirts are indeed drool-worthy and they're the cornerstone of any good wardrobe. And this actually applies to both men and women. For women, white or blue cotton shirts are a great blank canvas to anchor a good outfit down. It leaves you room to play around with printed skirts or pants or maybe a nice statement necklace. For men, it's because they're the colours that make up probably 90% of the dress shirts sold worldwide. And with good reason, because they just look so damn good on everyone. If you're looking to build your foundation of white or blue shirts, I'd suggest going for a thick and sturdy cotton shirt with minimal detailing. Muji does some really nice soft but thick cotton shirts that have simple and clean cuts. Tip number four, have some dark fitted jeans and know when to wear them. 
jean styles are always changing and there's a never-ending array of details that you can add to it. Rips, tears, acid and bleach washing, ugh. Distress, stonewash, boot cut, ooh, boot cut. White leg, lower rise, skinny, baggy. But all you have to do is keep it simple and stick to fitted jeans in a dark colour without the fading or the rips. You can wear them with a fitted t-shirt for a relaxed casual look or with a button shirt to go for a more dressy style. Tip number five, the little details make all the difference. And there are three ways you can tweak your daily dressing to instantly smarten up any look. First is how you roll your sleeves. Now there are a surprising number of YouTube videos that show you the proper techniques to sleeve rolling, but I think this guy explains it quite well. Fold over the sleeve inside out up your arm. Fold the bottom of the inside out sleeve over the cuff. Finally, leave the ends of the cuff exposed. It's quick, it's sharp, and it'll attract all the ladies. Maybe some boys too. The second detail to think about is the belt. Unless you're Howard Wallowitz from the Big Bang Theory, belt buckles with flashy logos or weird pictures are really not advisable. And then there's the oldie but goodie colour rule, where the belt should always match the shoes. There's not much you can do when it's black, but if it's brown, it doesn't have to be the exact same shade. And finally, the last mini hack that can make all the difference is when you should and shouldn't tuck your shirt in. Not all shirt hems were created equally, but it's important to know when to tuck or not to tuck them into your pants. Some people believe that if a shirt has a rounded hem, it must always be tucked in, but that's not necessarily the case. As a general rule, if the bottom of your shirt hangs down to the middle of the thighs, it should be tucked in. So dress shirts generally have longer, rounded hems. Square hems are usually meant to be worn casually and untucked, unless the hem is excessively long, but I suppose it's up to the wearer. And that rounds up this week's fashion hacks for men. I'll end with some thoughts on what not to wear. Wife beaters or like those those singlets that are really loose and even though you have like a six pack going on and no matter how buff you are, yeah, no, it's a complete turn off. Um, men should never wear short shorts and wife beaters unless at the beach. I just think it's never, ever, ever, ever going to be a good look. I'm not a big fan of shorts though. I think shorts should be uh, used if you're, you know, 15 and below. Shorts that are above the knees because if he has carrot legs, there's no use. You know, if you have super hairy legs, there's no use. But then what this guy says kind of makes sense too. Shorts. Malaysian men wear more shorts. Calves are underrated and uh, it's a hot country. Wearing jeans and suits. Uh, this is not New York. It's KL, it's PJ, it's Kapong. Gotta wear shorts. I am actually a fan of shorts, especially if they're dress shorts. So the rule is that they should be short enough that your knees are visible or just slightly covered if standing still. If they're going to go any shorter, then they should only be permitted in the confines of your home or a sporting environment. I hope you've enjoyed this week's Hacks for Men. Life hack. Hiya! That was the fashion episode of A Sunday Kind of Love with me, Maya Tan, Tasha Fusil, and our resident couch potatoes, Christina Oro and Edwin Suman. I'm going to leave you with Looking for Love by The Chromatics, taken off the soundtrack of the 2014 film Yves Saint Laurent. You've been listening to A Sunday Kind of Love. Have a stylish Sunday. I'm Maya Tan, BFM 89.9. for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station